Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Johnson. Hope you didn't mind a little Isley Brothers to get everybody in the mood, I guess you could say. Um, back from his uh, vacation on the East Coast is my normal co-host, Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagon. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Just trying to adjust back to reality, I guess, after a great trip out to, the, out to Philly in New York. How are you doing today? Yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds like you had fun. Any uh any insight or insights from the uh, the beatdown the Eagles gave the Steelers that we didn't see on TV? Well, I got to say the Eagles do have a great facility there. That stadium is really nice, and yeah, it was I was shocked at what happened during that game. I did not see the Eagles coming out and taking the Steelers behind the woodshed the way they did, but definitely a very very impressive win by the Eagles. And then we saw the Steelers get back on the right track last week, so it uh, looks like uh, both teams could be potential playoff teams this year. I would say. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, Darren thrills that fast live too. Oh yeah, that was that was a very exciting play to, to actually see live. I've been a long time been a fan of Darren Sproles, even though he plays for the Eagles. And as a Skins fan, I usually don't like many Eagles players, but I have always made an exception for Mr. Sproles. Yeah, yeah, most definitely such a a fun player to watch. Um, we're going to talk about Darren Sproles as. Cohort in the backfield a little bit later when we do our dynasty dilemma. How's that for a segue? Uh, Wendell Smallwood versus Jordan Howard. Uh, we're going to do a little four against on Tevin Coleman and some of the normal things we usually do dynasty trade analysis with our start, whatnot. And of course, Mr. Chuck Padesky will be stopping by for some ADS time here as well. So, uh, what are your thoughts on week four? Uh, my initial thought from Thursday night was. Miami sucks, um, and it's not even – you know, I wanted to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt because of who they played to start the season, but that team does suck. They had one play against Cincinnati. I'm sorry to beat the hearts and the Dolphins here, but they had one play against Cincinnati, and that, that was about it. That was painful, painful to watch. Any thoughts there, Nick? Yeah, I agree with you there. And uh, I'm going to start off with two players who have been surprisingly good this year. Uh, Jimmy Graham was written off by many this offseason. Now he's got two straight games over 100 yards. Uh, went off for 10 catches, 173 yards, and a score this week. And great to see him recovering from that patella injury like that. Hopefully he can keep up that kind of production. And then also Terrell Pryor. He, he only went off uh, five catches, 46 yards, and one score this week. But he's had a great start to the season. And it's just a uh, really neat story. I know plenty of college quarterbacks have transitioned to wide receiver in the pros, and plenty of others have 
fail trying to do so. But I can't think of anybody recently to make the switch after playing quarterback in the NFL for as long as prior did. So that's been really neat to see. Uh, now on the flip side, there's uh, been two teams that had high expectations that are both one and three, the Colts and the Cardinals. Uh, I'm personally ready to hit the panic button on both those teams, especially the Colts. Uh, am I being too hasty there, Josh? Uh, well, I'm sorry. Can you say, what did you say on the Colts and the Cardinals? Uh, just that I'm ready to hit the panic button on them, especially on the Colts. Do you think that's uh, it's too early for that, or are you uh, are you panicking too? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I was having a little bit of equi- equipment malfunction, kind of getting some echoes in my headset, so I took it off there. Um, yeah, I I am so heavily invested in all of my leagues and Arizona Cardinals players. I, I am really ready to hit the panic button. I think I'm starting three of the linebackers tomorrow night just because I don't have any other options. and. Plenty of copies of Fitzgerald out there and a few David Johnsons too, so I am frustrated that that aspect. Uh, the bright spot, I think, fantasy-wise for the Colts is at least T.Y. has been doing okay, even though Andrew Luck's been a, been a little shaky. He's still putting up uh, decent numbers, and if that team continues to struggle, you know he's going to be putting that ball up. So I guess that uh, that is one positive. Uh, the, the negative is we could potentially see uh, Drew Stanton versus Blaine Gabbard on on Thursday night football. So we uh we'll uh we'll see how that ends ends up. Palmer has not officially been ruled out yet, but I, I have no idea why they would even consider playing him with a concussion on that short shirt around. So um yeah. We'll leave that at that. Uh team, you know great way for uh, Paxton Lynch to come in, I think, and get his feet wet in that type of situation. But let's face it, I mean I hate I hate to to go there, but Team Tebow could win with this defense. I mean, this team is so rock solid, and I I just don't know how my my Raiders are going to beat them, and I don't know how anybody's going to beat them because they just play they play it safe on offense, and they make enough plays on defense to just make it happen. Don't you think? Yeah, and uh, Vaughn Miller, when he decides to turn it on, he's pretty much unblockable. It seems like uh, obviously you can't do that every play, but. When 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 he decides he's going to get to the quarterback, he gets to the quarterback. Yeah, and I know there's been at least two games this year where up until the fourth quarter he hasn't done a thing, and then lo and behold he gets a huge sack that is very very big on the outcome of the game. So yeah, they they and the thing that's crazy is they have a lot of pieces that they can just fill in. You know, they've had some injuries. They lost to Marcus Ware, and they've able been able to fill those gaps with guys like uh, Shaq Barrett and even Shane Ray had himself a big day, who I'm still not a fan of IDP-wise, but he's certainly uh, it's not that hard to stand out on, on that defense and make some plays when every, we know everybody else is going to be doing their job. So, yeah, it's like they're maybe holding Von Miller back a little bit, I think, early on in games and then just letting him fly. So, um, any any thoughts on the waiver wire this week, Nick? Who's, who's, who's kind of in your crosshairs there? Well, I don't have a lot of names this week. Uh, DFW's uh, Joseph Viveros, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, uh, he pointed out in his waiver column this week that a Carlos Williams suspension is over. And as good as Williams was last year, I, I agree with Joseph. I would probably stash him if I had room and see if he does get picked up by a team. Uh, key receivers, Brian Quick, Seth Roberts, and Dontrell Inman are uh, available in a lot of leagues. They're not going to be weekly big-time performers, but, you know, during the bye weeks, and you know, they can be decent plugs if they're available and you need them. And uh, Bobby Rainey also, I think, could be okay in PPR leagues as long as Shane Vereen is injured for the Giants. Seems like he's now the pass catching back there for New York. 
Yeah, good points there. Yeah, good article by Joseph this week, as always. He's been doing a great job for that with this this year. Um, I kind of agree on the Carlos Carlos Williams front. Um, you know, uh, Justin Forsett's a free agent now too, so it'd be interesting to see if if one or both of those guys get signed, or if somebody brings them both in, who they who they choose out ultimately depends on that team's uh, situation. I think you know if that team is a potential playoff team, Forsett might be the way to go, and if they need somebody to. Add depth, you know, for the future. Maybe, maybe it's Williams, but uh, and probably in your your same situation there too. I wouldn't go out and roster four set uh, as, as I am here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, certainly look at uh, Mr. Carlos Williams there. Good point. Um, Bryce Butler is a guy that they for Dallas. He came in. They said he was going to fill Dez's role. They wanted to keep Terrence Williams on the other side, doing what he normally does, running his routes. And they they, they were both actually very effective, and so was that, that Cowboys running game on Sunday. So an interesting matchup this week, I think, as uh, Cincinnati goes to Dallas for the first time in a long time. That should be a an interesting game there, too. We'll see if Nick can help me out on uh, on my uh, weekly question of Dalton or Philip Rivers. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, all, all good names there for you to uh, consider. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, if you did, if did, nobody didn't grab – somebody didn't grab Jatavius Brown last week for uh, San Diego, you can feel very comfortable, especially if you think you have a team that's going to contend, throwing a lot of waiver money out for him because Manti Teo is done for the year. Desmond Perryman is questionable for this week. We'll see how long that injury uh, injury lingers for him. And Brown just stepped in, and I think he had geez, 10 tackles there for San Diego last week. So he's he's a guy, another little undersized player like uh, Perryman, but he certainly has showed showed that he belongs in the NFL, and this is rookie season. So take a look at Mr. Uh, Jatavius Brown on the defensive side of the ball there if you need a, uh, a linebacker. Um, what – are you doing with this team is the is the subject here nick um and i just i don't don't have it in front of me unfortunately uh but uh i wanted to look at your dfw 16 team i know you're undefeated so you could just uh rest on that but uh i was just a little surprised that up until actually yesterday you were still for some reason rostering four cornerbacks now this is a league i I think we only get points for one. Maybe it's a one to two, depending on what they do. But uh, any any thoughts there, or maybe just because I like to give you crap about this, but uh, maybe just because you spent all your waiver or all your draft picks to trade up to get Mr. Carson Wentz, you didn't have an opportunity to fill out the rest of your roster. But uh, any, any thoughts? I mean, you just dropped Nolan Carroll like yesterday. Tell me, you didn't even think about Jeremy Curley after week one, right? Yeah, yeah, it would have been a good good to pick up Jeremy Curley. He's looking like pretty productive there, uh, slot receiver in San Francisco. But as far as having the four corners, it is a best ball league. So you know, the more corners you have, the more chance you have at somebody uh, having a having a productive day. And really, I just didn't didn't need the roster space because, like you said, uh, the team's four and zero. It's the leading scoring team in DFW sixteen. So I was pretty solid <laughs> oh, I forgot that. across the board. I didn't I didn't need. Didn't need a whole lot of space there, but uh, the guy I actually uh, released, Nolan Carroll, was uh, so I could put uh, Carlos Williams back on my active roster since the suspension was up. He was no longer available for injured reserve, so had to cut somebody, and obviously it was going to be one of the four corners. Yeah, yeah, most definitely there. So, 
Um, good points there. Good points. Uh, any any thoughts on what I am doing to any of my teams? Well, first off, I purposely avoided uh, grading any orphan teams that you took over because I just didn't think that would be fair. So I looked at your uh, team in the DFW and Cronies League. Um, uh, I knew you'd go back. Mike. <laughs> 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 you, you still roster in Mike Davis, the running back in San Francisco. He's only got two points on the year. Uh, now, it is a good thing that you kept Marquise Lee, who's got 33 points for you, because the fellow Jacksonville receiver, Rashad Green, six points, is definitely not getting it done. Same with Kamar Aiken, who I think has two points. I don't know, single-digit points for Kamar Aiken. And I think we just kind of need to admit to ourselves that Steve Smith's probably still going to be playing in 80 years. So that, that guy just seems, seems like father time does not affect him one bit. But really, uh, you have five tight ends on that roster, and that makes no sense to me. Uh, Michael Pruitt, uh, he and Max Williams have combined for two points. I, I don't understand why you drafted Austin Hooper, who normally I wouldn't have had a problem with taking him in the third round. But when you already have four tight ends, adding a fifth one in the draft, uh, you got Jimmy uh, Jimmy Graham and Larry Donnell there at the top of the lineup too. Uh, you know, also your team is young across the board at running back and receiver, except for Deshaun Jackson. And the thing is, you're probably not going to be competing this season. I think it would be a good idea to maybe consider trading Deshaun Jackson to a contender while he still has some value. Wow. Um, Nick just basically brought that up this morning. He, we were talked about that this morning, how that situation was going to go. And, yeah, he just dreamt that up in his head before the podcast. So nice work. A little harsh, but I think I deserve it. Um, yeah, the five tight end things. Is, I mean, look at going into my year. I think I also had Michael Rivera for Oakland, too. So I – and Jimmy Graham. I mean, I didn't realize Jimmy Graham was going to be doing what he's doing. I can guarantee you that one of those one of those tight ends is going to be on the waiver wire tomorrow. Are going to be out there if you want to pick one of them up. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rough go. Um, I I am me and Mike Davis need to have a heart to heart because I'm he's not. This is the only league that I have him in. Uh, so uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's there's a reason this team is a. Uh, uh, in the, picking in the top five every year, I'll just put it that way. So uh, it's uh, it's been an uphill battle, and uh, geez, what a disappointment Cameron Artist Paint has been too. I mean, it was bad enough Josh Robinson screwed me. Uh, that's Josh Robinson, the running back who never played for the Colts. But uh, yeah, I thought Artist Paint was going to be a nice little ace in the hole. Now he's been their starter for two weeks. He has eight points on the season. So yeah, not. Uh, I traded some away. I traded away a lot of veteran talent during the draft to get higher to get higher picks. Um, so uh, hopefully, better days are ahead. But it's obviously not uh, this year for that league. So, but that's okay. I got two first round picks in 2017. It's, I think things are going to turn around there. We'll see. We'll see. But I think things are going to turn around. And it is the best ball. So, you know that one. Carlos Hyde gets injured week one, one of these weeks, and Mike Davis comes out and gets 150 yards and a couple touchdowns. I can say that I had him in my lineup, so to speak, right, <laughs> right Nick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a not a good team. But anyway, um, also my first dynasty team, so it was it was definitely a work in progress. But uh, I could go on and on about that team for days. Um, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Uh, we just we pull we go through the week and pull some trades that uh, from leagues that we are in, or some trades off that I see off of Twitter that I deem are interesting. We're gonna give those give those a look. Let's play the pot. Let's play the pot. Though. 
time for Dynasty Trade Analysis. Up for bid. Uh, Spencer Ware for Golden Tate and a third. What are your thoughts there, Nick? This is from DFW48. Uh, I love the side that picked up Ware. I think this is an absolute steal. Uh, Golden Tate just doesn't seem to be uh, anywhere near the threat he used to be when uh, when Megatron was uh, attracting attention on the other side of the field. So, uh, I yeah, and only a third-round pick and a real wide receiver is basically unplayable at this point to pick up a guy like Spencer Ware, who I think he's earned the right to be the lead back in Kansas City even when Jamal Charles is healthy. I think Charles, at this point in his career, the Chiefs would be better served limiting his touches to maybe 10 touches a game and letting Spencer Ware uh, get the majority of the work in that backfield. So, yeah, love this trade. Um, I guess I kind of agree with both sides of this trade where I think it's it's a good trade to get – to get where, but I think it's also potentially a, a decent future trade. I think I don't think Golden Tate's going to be, you know, this bad all year long. I think he's going to potentially break out and p- potentially be a better player too. The more uh, the more Marvin Jones gets in the action too. So I think I, I think it's I think this trade makes sense, especially after you're in win now mode and need to load up with Spencer Ware and and. Uh, like you said, that maybe they should limit Jamal Charles' touches, and and they did this first week. But I, I honestly don't see them doing that, especially if this team has a chance to go deep. I think they're going to really rely on him, so that that could hurt Ware's value throughout this year. So we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that works out. We obviously know anybody can get injured at any time or two. So, um, moving forward here, uh, speaking of Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones and Kobe Fleener for Alshon Jeffrey and Dennis Pitta. What do you think? Um, I'm really on the fence on this trade. I, I So I kind of like it for both sides. I really can't pick a winner. Uh, Marvin Jones, I think it's a good idea to maybe sell high on him right now because I just don't think that's the sort of production he's seen over the first four weeks of the season. I don't think that can uh, that can keep up for the full 16-game slate. Uh, so Alshon Jeffries probably a little bit of a safer play, especially long-term. And Dennis Pitta, Colby Fleener, I can't really choose a winner in between those two guys either. So, yeah. I, I honestly cannot pick a winner in this trade. So that probably means it's a great trade for both sides, right? Yeah. Where did Dennis Pitta come from? We didn't hear about this guy all summer long, and all of a sudden he's just a thing again. I just don't know where that happened. But uh, uh, it's also very widely known that he's not going to probably get through the season without getting injured there. So, um I think it's a, actually I think it's a decent buy low on Alshon Jeffrey, uh, especially now with the news of Kevin White going on IR again. Coincidentally, he's also on that team that Nick talked about or ragged on earlier. <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, that's how good that team is. But anyway, uh, so that where Hoyer necessarily hasn't been using Jeffrey now he's going to have to um, and. That brings me to another good point. I think we should talk about this in the waiver, and Joseph pointed him out too, but Brian Hoyer is actually a startable fantasy quarterback. It, it sounds crazy to say, I mean, but he's back-to-back 300-yard games, 
especially if you're in two quarterback leagues, you know your roster and him. You know, I'm playing against him right now in the Scott Fishbowl, and that's a QB Superflex league. So, um, yeah, I just, that's that's crazy to me. And I I don't think he's going to take a take a hit because of uh, excuse me because of uh, White being out. I think Jeffrey's going to have to step it up and climb the ladder like he does so well. So I, I like this trade. I think it makes sense for both sides. We know Pitt is an, a, a very injury prone, so Fleener's going to, I think, going to grow throughout the year there in New Orleans, and Marvin Jones is going to be up and down. So I think it's a nice buy low, but I do I do understand both sides there. Uh, but Jeffrey's certainly the best player in my eyes on uh, trades. Um, Amari Cooper, this is a monster trade. I can't – this is from DFW48, too. I think this happened seriously, like, right before kickoff on Sunday. Just I love how these trades go down in this league. Um, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, Dontrell Edmonds, and a 2017 first for DeAndre Hopkins, Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Matthews, and Dennis Pitta. I hope you wrote all that down, Nick. What we got? I did, and uh, I, I have to side with the uh... – the team that uh, picked up Mari Cooper, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, Inman in the first. Uh, I love DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's having a little bit of a down year. I expect that to him to bounce back somewhat at least. And Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Matthews, and we already talked about Dennis Pitta, but that's just too much. You're giving up two elite pretty much young wide receivers and Amari Cooper and Mike Evans. Another guy in Sammy Watkins who, when he's back healthy again and probably with the new coaching staff next year, is going to be a lot better than we've seen from him so far. Plus the first-round pick and Inman, who's a pretty good play for the rest of this season. Uh, That's just too much for me to give up. I I know the potential's there with Zeke Elliott and DeAndre Hopkins, of course, but that's just it's too much. Yeah, I still have I, every time I look at this trade, I just try to wrap myself around it. Now, weird that 2017 is weird considering you get a 2000 first round pick in 2017, but you also get Mike Evans and Amari Cooper and Sammy Watkins. It's just like, oh, uh, but I mean, and you did give up Hopkins, Zeke, and Jordan Matthews. So I, I, re- I really don't know. I think both, you know, both sides certainly could make an argument for for each other. I mean, we're talking. About potentially three elite players, you know, all things considered, everybody's healthy. I'm talking, we're talking six elite players with Cooper, Evans, Watkins, Hopkins, Elliott, and Jordan Matthews. We're talking probably six of six top 20 fantasy players. If, if, if all these guys play all 16 games. So uh, that, that, I think that kind of evens things out there. Um, not a lot of uh, chatter on this one for DFW 48 too. Maybe, maybe because of the time it happened, but a lot of times, my email box just gets flooded with uh, with trade chatter after a trade, especially at one of this caliber. Um, a little Burgundy's trade here. This is from DFW36. Stefan Diggs and Jimmy Graham for Sammy Watkins and uh, Julius Thomas. I just noticed that I wrote Sammy Watkins. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what do you think? Well, I understand both sides of this trade. I'm assuming the former Jimmy Graham owner is trying to sell high on him, not trusting that Graham's going to be able to stay healthy. So I definitely understand unloading him for a guy like Sammy Watkins and Julius Thomas, but I think I'm going to side with the team that did pick up Jimmy Graham and Stephon Diggs. I think the upside, if Graham is able to stay healthy, is just too much to pass up, especially if you're trying to win this year, whereas Watkins isn't going to help you out much this year. And Stephon Diggs is probably going to have some pretty good game going forward. Yeah, uh, he, he he was held a little bit in check, but 
uh, the good thing about that Vikings offense, and they're kind of like the Raiders offense too, was, you know, they, they have their nice elite talent and uh, Cooper and Diggs. Yeah, I think Diggs is our – we can call him elite already. Uh, but they are able to distribute the ball throughout their offense. In the, any given week, there's a, a number of players that can step up and, and make a play there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that side there too. I mean, I think both sides make sense, Watkins and Julius Thomas, if, you, if you're in rebuilding. And, and obviously, if you're rebuilding, you don't want to give up uh, uh, a Stephon Diggs type of player. But if you can get two assets, you know, you can be able to use. Um, and Jimmy Graham hopefully can continue what he's doing there. In uh, in San, excuse me, Seattle. Uh, speaking of Seattle, Nick, what on earth am I supposed to do with Tyler Locke? I turned down Brashard Perryman and a first round pick in the preseason because I just didn't think it was enough. This guy got like one catch last week. Uh, is there, are you going to come out of there by with a plan for him, or what? Are you, what are you thinking about uh, Tyler Locke? Well, I'm definitely not releasing Tyler Lockett yet because he is a very talented player, but I definitely am not getting him anywhere near any of my starting lineups. I just don't trust him yet. Got to see him produce this season before you before you can trust him to start. Even as a bye week plug, I would rather go sign somebody off the street at this point than uh, than try to start him. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's a rough go. We we expected big things from him, and not. Uh, and maybe maybe as teams adjust to Graham, he'll he'll come up and get his because he's he's a guy if you get targets his way he's going to produce there. So not uh, not very fun times there though for uh, for Mr. Lockett up there in Seattle. But hopefully hopefully better things are coming. Like Nick said, you're not going to release him. Don't trade him because you're going people are going to try to buy low on him at this point. So uh, yeah, it's, certainly just got to stick to him. I got a couple copies. So uh, yeah, I'll. Hopefully he will pull through there. So, but it's time for for or against. It's time for for or against. I really didn't mean to say that exactly how, how it was on that clip. Uh, that sounds kind of weird, uh, even the inflection uh, uh, and the emotion in my voice. But anyway, Tevin Coleman, Nick, we, uh, I, 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 you honestly really surprised me when you wanted the four side on Tevin Coleman. So you chose him. What do, what do you got for us? Four Tevin Coleman. Well, first off, the team believes in him. You know, he's, pretty close to a 50-50 timeshare there in Atlanta. 11 touches last week to Freeman's 15. And as well as Freeman has played uh, last year and this season, you know, for Coleman still to be getting that kind of work shows that the coaches definitely believe that he's going to start to make plays. Um, I benched Tevin Coleman when he scored three touchdowns on Monday night, by the way. Uh, that's the greatest fantasy on our end. We not shatter my reputation. I won't tell you who I benched him for. Uh, but Devontae Freeman is clearly the starter and the trusted rusher. Thus, I think his floor for touches is more firm than Coleman. Well, for all you uh, workout fanatics, Seven uh, Coleman ran between a 4.35 and a 4.440 at his pro day, and his college tape shows that he definitely plays with that same speed. So, you know, speed kills is what they always say, right? Yes. Um, although Coleman appears to 
be a PPR stud. I just don't think he's going to produce consistent stats, and he's going to be somewhat beholden to uh, to game flow. I mean, we obviously finished his followed up his three touchdown performance with not 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 a very huge performance there against Carolina, even though his team was moving the ball there. So I think just I just think he's going to be very game flow dependent. Well, I actually disagree with you a little bit on that. And, you know, I think he is a really good PPR guy. He's got 10 catches for 134 yards in three games, uh, five-plus points in every game that he's played this year. That's a pretty nice floor for a bi-week uh, plug-in flex type of guy until he gets more playing time. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Coleman's big knock coming out was that he was just a one-cut runner. This is still abundantly true in my eyes. And I think he lacks an arsenal of moves to be a long-term RB1 solution. Yeah, that that might be possible. But you got to look at the team in general. And when a wide receiver on his on his offense goes off for over th- or goes off for 300 yards, you know that shutting down Coleman in the running game is not going to be a focal <laughs> point of any any defense facing Atlanta. So I think there should be plenty of room for him to run both underneath and catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, yeah, in case we forgot to mention it earlier, Julio Jones. I think he's. I think he's a. He's probably a fantasy player that you want in your roster. He's, he's doing all right right now. Um, even though he only had that one, that one catch for 16 yards of Monday Night Football. I think he. Uh, I think he more than made up for it last week. I know he won a few games for us, uh, some teams that I was playing against. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Um. um I think. Kyle, I think Kyle Shanahan offense is the reason why both of these RBs are seeing work. So who knows, and who knows how long Shanahan will be there. Potential, and a potential OC switch, I think, could actually favor Freeman as he like, tends to be. Even though this is a you know a running back by committee, at, you know almost a 50-50 split. We know Freeman is the starter, and I think if if things go bad or if this team goes down the hill again, I think I think. Freeman would be the team person that a, a new coach or a new OC would potentially turn to there. So um, that is all we had on four against. Any, any other thoughts there, Nick? You want to respond to that last one? Um, I, I just think he's talented enough that no matter who the offensive coordinator is, uh, he's still going to see playing time. Maybe not quite a 50-50 split like he's getting close to now, but he, he's still going to see the field, I think, especially on passing downs. Yeah. Yeah, and he, like I said, he totally surprised me by picking for the fourth side of Coleman. I absolutely love Coleman, so it was a little hard for me to to uh, to bang on him there. But uh, and I own both these guys, so I'll, I'll hopefully be happy either way, depending on who's in my starting lineup. That is um, sit or start, Nick. Is there any Forty ers that you want to play tomorrow night? Not named Carlos Hyde. Um, no, uh, I don't think I would even <laughs> want to play Carlos Hyde. Uh, um, yeah, you look at the, the running back situation, you know, uh, Carlos Hyde and then Sean Drone is second in line. Uh, no other running back got a carry last week. Sean Drone's got 23 carries on the season, one touchdown. Uh, but, you know, again, they're playing a desperate Arizona team. I, I think I would just try to avoid everybody. And this is probably going to be a low-scoring game with Carson Palmer likely out. Okay. Not even Mike Davis. You don't want to play Mike Davis. 
Um, <laughs> I, I mean, Selleck's uh, the tight end, possibly, since uh, as yeah. long as McDonald's still going to miss the game, that's maybe a possibility. But other than that, no. I don't know. I think I think Hyde's maybe done enough for me this year to to not not be not him be a, a matchup type of player. I think I, I think I would just keep him in my lineup no matter what. But that's that's just me. Um, yeah, I. Curly finally had another big catch last week, so I, I, I do kind of like him. Um, but I, I do feel like we haven't seen that one big wow game from Torrey Smith. And I know Arizona's got one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, but, you know, Tyra Taylor pulled, pulled them apart a little bit there, too. And we talked about early on how, how Arizona is really struggling there. So I – I think they might get a couple deep chances there to Torrey Smith. So I, I would, I would feel comfortable rolling Smith out there as like a wide receiver four or five. Um, oh, I, I had to add this one because I because I talked about it earlier. But Nick, let's say you're you're really desperate two quarterback, three quarterback league, whatever. Uh, Blaine Gabbert versus Arizona or Drew Stamp versus San Francisco. What do you think? Oh uh, wow. Um... Brutal, isn't uh, I it? guess. <laughs> it is brutal. Um, I guess I'll just go with Blaine Gabbert since he's actually been playing, and we, you know, what you're going to get with him. You know, you're probably going to get 200 yards. So, Drew Stanton's the big unknown. I'll, I'll take the devil. I know. I guess. Yeah. Um, I do think Stanton's probably got more around him. Um, and. It's not like he's a, a squeaky clean rookie. He's been there for I think this is his fourth season in the NFL. Uh, I think he. I think I would roll with him. I, you know, obviously San Fran losing Navarro Bowman is huge, and that could be uh, that could mean David Johnson might be absolutely lights out tomorrow night in this game. So I, I think I'll go with Stanton. Why not? Um, Tyrod Taylor. Oh, speaking of Tyrod Taylor, Nick, I wanted to ask you one more one more trade here. I'll throw you at you. Couple trades went down in DFW 48 on Saturday night. They were both the exact same thing with four copies of each player in this league. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and a second round pick for Devin Funches. What do you think? Um, I would I would definitely side with the uh, team that picked up Taylor and the second round pick. Funches he could develop into a nice player still. He's still very young. But we haven't seen it yet, and you hope with those second-year wide receivers that you see something in the first month of the season that really makes you go, "Wow, they're gonna they're gonna make a giant leap forward this year." And, uh, you know, he's been all okay, but we haven't seen that big, big production quite yet. So, being able to pick up a second-round pick and a quarterback that's going to be able to help you this season at least, I, I like that. That aside, yeah, yeah, and you know, Tyrod signed a six-year deal, so even if you're you're your starter gets hurt. Uh, I was I made one of these trades. My starter is Big Ben. We know he's got some injuries, injury scares over the years. So I'd certainly have no problem rolling Tyler Taylor out there, considering my other quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, <laughs> Mister Int himself. But uh, yeah, I, I think that I think the trade makes a lot of sense. And I honestly think for Devin Funches, I mean, really best case scenario is he's like another Terrence Williams out of Dallas. Who's going to have his moments? Going to score some touchdowns here and there, but he's never going to be a an eighty an eighty catch guy, you know, who approaches a thousand yards. I just don't think that's his uh, forte. Um, sorry, moving back to sit or start. Tyrod Taylor at L.A. 
or Jameis Winston at Carolina on Monday night? Well, this one's a really tough call, but I, I think that Winston bounces back this week after a rough outing last week. Uh, he's playing a Carolina defense that gave up 500 yards against Atlanta uh, passing. Uh, I think their confidence could be shaken, whereas Tyrod Taylor has to play against an L.A. defense that's actually playing well enough for Case Keenum to be a 3-1 and quarterback. I, I did not <laughs> think that was possible, so got to go with Winston in this one. Uh, yeah, earlier when I prefaced Tebow, I was going to say even Case Keenum could win with this team, but you know what? They're, they're, the Rams are 3-1. and one. I don't feel like I can say that now. Um, yeah, you know, what hurt? what's really going to hurt Tampa is Charles Sims is questionable now, too. Doug Martin's still out. So who's, who knows who's going to be uh, their running back? Um, uh Coincidentally, Cam Newton is their leading rusher there in Carolina with 147 yards on the year. So they they need to figure some things out there. Um, I think I would go with Tyra. Uh, this team is hot. They changed the OCs, and they won two games in a row. Honestly, I think New England probably just mailed that game in on Sunday because they knew Brady was coming back. And, you know, what's what's – What's better than a 16 and 0 season? Probably a 15 and 1 season where you don't have that pressure of being undefeated the whole time. Yeah, why not? They knew Brady was coming back. You've seen them do the same thing with Gronk. They're not rushing him back. I, I still not recommending anybody play Gronk yet until he has that big wild game. And if you miss it, I'm sorry, but you got to wait on him right now because he's not healthy and they're not going to push him out there until he is. They're not going to feature him yet. The guys playing 20% of their snaps right now. So just keep, just keep that in mind. Um, what was I talking about? How did they get so <laughs> I get on a new England tirade? I think I would go with a uh, Tyrod Taylor. I, I, I know he had the odd, odd win there at new England, but I think what he did against Arizona and I know Buffalo is a different team on the road, but what he did against Arizona was enough uh, for me to have confidence in him. And, uh, hey, speaking of people that are reaping the rewards, uh, Robert Woods stepping in for Sammy Watkins. Uh, if he's out there in your in your waiver wire, certainly give him a look. In PPR leagues, he's going to be a nice at. Uh, sorry to keep straying away from this to the start, Nick. Marcus Mariota, your boy, Marcus Mariota, or – so he's at Miami, or Ryan Tannehill versus Tennessee. What do you think? Well, like you said, I do love me some Marcus Mariota. But in this matchup, I think I'm going to go Tannehill simply because I think that Miami's going to throw the ball more. So more opportunities equal the higher floor, provided he limits the turnovers. He does have over 300 yards in half of the games this year, but he's also got six interceptions in only four games. Got to uh, keep that down to a minimum. But, yeah, I, I think Tannehill probably. This I might call this the who cares game later when Chuck joins us, but uh... – this could be a really fun, interesting game to watch. I like I like all the fantasy pieces moving in there. Um, I do hear what you're saying about Tannehill probably throwing a little bit more, but uh, I gotta go Mariota. I gotta go. I gotta go upside over, you know, maybe consistent production. Tannehill just, I he just hasn't hit hit that stride. He hasn't turned that corner. I've defended him for a long time, and this year I've just really. Really not uh, not getting getting on that ship, unfortunately. Um, man, I, I, in case you haven't noticed, Nick, I love doing sitter starting quarterbacks. Um, Carson Wentz at Detroit, or the red hot Matt Ryan at Denver. 
steer, you bench Matt Ryan. <laughs> what do you got? Well, I definitely understand if you think Matt Ryan's unbenchable coming off his 500-yard game. I, I wouldn't fault you for starting Matt Ryan, but I personally would not start anybody against the Denver defense, especially if I had a solid backup like Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, could Ryan be okay? Yes, but the potential for a bad game is higher versus that Denver defense than any other defense in the league, in my opinion. So, you know, if I have any other viable options, I am going to sit Matt Ryan this week, especially if I got a guy like Carson Wentz. You know, and this is one of those games, too, where if Denver had a lights-out offense as well as defense, you know Ryan would maybe be getting some garbage time. But with their quarterback situation as it is, Simeon's currently questionable. We don't know if Lynch is going to start. Um, you know, the Falcons' defense isn't a great this – could, this could be a very low-scoring game because – I don't know if Denver's going to really push the envelope uh, and really try to try to open things up. Obviously, if they'll get turnover results, seize those opportunities. But I, I just don't even see garbage time for Matt Ryan. And uh, the Lions just got ripped apart by Brian Hoyer. So <laughs> why not throw Carson Wentz out there? Why not throw Carson Wentz to the Lions? I just came up with that just now. How about that? Uh, Nick, I didn't put it in there, but help me out. Um, Phillip Rivers at Oakland or Andy the Red Rifle Dalton at Dallas? This is my every week decision. I think I'm going to go with uh, Andy Dalton uh, against Dallas, simply because uh, didn't Oakland lose their middle linebacker, Ben Heaney? Isn't he injured now? So I think that could lead to more running the ball for San Diego. So, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much a toss-up, but I think I would uh, slightly lean towards Dalton this week. They did, but Heaney's actually been somewhat relegated to the bottom of the depth chart because the rookie six-round pick, Corey James, has been playing pretty good in the middle. I know they Terrence West still had himself 100 yards last week, but uh, this, you know, this is just my home, like friends and family league. Um, I might not have – I guess I do have a family member in anymore. But uh, so <laughs> it's kind of weird how you're in all these dynasty leagues with all these – experts but this is the one i'm always checking my phone it's like seeing seeing that score this is the one that i want the most and yeah it's the corner i've backed myself into this year so yahoo it's a yahoo league dalton's currently listed to score more points so um yeah maybe maybe that is the way to go but i, I don't know i feel like Feel like Rivers and I mean Oakland still has like the number thirty two defense. So maybe Rivers and Carr just exchange touchdowns. As much as I love the improvements in this Raiders defense, uh would I be surprised if this was like a forty one thirty eight just absolute shootout? No, I would not. So uh, I don't know if you help me, Nick. <laughs> I'm just gonna flip a quarter and call it good. Um Matt Jones at Baltimore or Isaiah Crowell versus New England. Well, uh, Crowell's having a pretty good year. Uh, I'll put it this way. In his worst game of the season, uh, Isaiah Crowell averaged 5.2 yards per carry. That's outstanding. That's just outstanding enough that uh, Belichick's going to scheme to stop him because he's pretty much the Browns' top weapon right now, and they're going to force Cody Kessler to beat them. So, you know, while I would definitely rather own Crowell than Matt Jones, I would prefer Matt Jones this week. Yeah, you know, and Matt Jones is at Baltimore. They just gave up only 60 yards to the, all three of the Raiders running backs combined. So that, that 
that defense does concern me. Um, but I just think if anybody's going to get a one-yard plunge out of these two, it's probably going to be Matt Jones. Um, here's another one that I think we could do every week. I was in this situation in that aforementioned league last year. Uh, but this week we could do this one every week, Nick, I think. Um, what was the old guy one we were doing? Was that like James Jones versus Steve Smith last year? Uh, but uh, what do you think about Jeremy Hill or Gio Bernard as the Bengals travel too big D, what do you think? Well, I think in PPR leagues, pretty much every week I'm going to go with Giovanni Bernard just because I love the floor there. He's got 19 catches so far this year. But this matchup, I think, is going to be a lot closer than most. Uh, you know, in standard leagues, I think this week at Dallas, Cincinnati is going to run the ball a lot more than they usually do. So I think in non-PPR leagues, I would go with Jeremy Hill, but in PPR, got to go with Gio every week, in my opinion. This is one, and I should really come come at this with some background, but I honestly feel like if you – when you're trying to decide between these two, I think if the team has a vulnerable defensive line, you start Hill. If they have somewhat either vulnerable or inexperienced linebackers, I think that opens up the, the gates for Gio Bernard to have, if not a huge touchdown pass, at least a couple of nice long long runs or maybe you know eight, eight targets in the passing game there. So that, that, that's kind of the way I, I go about that. Um, I think, obviously, Sean Lee is the best weapon on this Dallas defense right now. And the Dallas D-line has just not come together. Granted, they've had a lot of injuries and suspensions. They do get Demarcus Lawrence back this week. Don't know if he's going to be, you know, putting his hand down 90% of the time for Dallas, but we'll see. Uh, but I think Hill can get some tough yards. So I think I would go Hill, Hill in this one, too. Um, well, I guess we can swipe Kevin White versus Philip Dorsett. Uh, another injured wide receiver. I knew this was. <laughs> I knew these were uh, uh, hard ones to put in there, but uh, this is a, another one. I think we could potentially look at a lot. Um, Sterling Shepard at Green Bay or Eric Decker, who I believe is going to play at Pittsburgh. He missed last week. What do you think? Well, I'm on the other side of the fence. I don't think Decker is going to play. Uh, if he does play, then I think I would definitely start him, but I, I kind of doubt that he's going to. Uh, but Shepard really isn't a bad play either this week. I think that New York Giants offense is going to bounce back after the tough matchup last week against Minnesota. They're going to come out with something to prove this week. So, I, you know, while I would prefer Decker over Shepard, Shepard's not bad either this week. Yeah, I mean – Honestly, if you're making this decision, seriously, who are you playing over these guys? Uh, but, uh, yeah, Decker, Decker certainly has the the potential, and he just has – not potential, but he just always has a very nice floor. Shepard was obviously uh, obviously in, held in check, um, so we'll see. Um, Decker has a torn rotator cuff. Uh, says he feels better this week although his availability is still in question. Man, that's a, if that's a baseball pitcher, he's done for the year. So I, I, I don't know how that adds up to a, a, a guy that catches footballs, but, uh, um, yeah, I maybe Nick is right. They're um, saying surgery could alleviate the issue in the off season, but he appears to be aiming – to return for the final 12 games. So they, they want they want to push him back, which doesn't make any sense with uh, Quincy 
Quincy playing really good. Robbie Anderson's done okay with a few of his targets so far, too, playing a lot better than people expect that I am. So I don't know why they uh, would rush people back, um, especially against uh, Pittsburgh, who's probably still going to be a little bit angry. <laughs> um, there's a stat, too. I should look this up. I think the Jets have maybe never – ever in the history of their team won at Pittsburgh. I'm going to look that up. Uh, Devin Taylor at Philadelphia or Derek Wolf versus Atlanta going IDP side here, Nick, what do you think? Well, if you look at their stats on the season, Taylor's got uh, 14 total tackles and one and a half sacks. Uh, Wolf has 16 tackles and four sacks, including two and a half sacks last week. And I think Atlanta's going to throw the ball more than Philadelphia is. So I would take a chance on Wolf to add to his sack total this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Anza, if he plays, is not 100% there for Detroit. But uh, I don't know. I, I I feel what you're saying with with the sack sack potential there with Wolf. But I feel like Atlanta's off, the offensive line has certainly come together a lot sooner than people have. So I think I'm going to go Devin Taylor just because I think – as much as those Philadelphia running backs like to like to trim the edge, I think he's going to have a nice a nice uh, tackle day there for defensive lines. Granted, uh, like like you said, Wolf could have a couple of big sacks and that blow completely blow him completely out of the water. But I think I think Taylor could have a decent a decent day there as far as uh, tackles there. So I would go with uh, Taylor there. Um. Sorry, still looking at my stat. Brashard Breeland at Baltimore, or Jacoby Glenn at Indianapolis. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, you definitely need to keep an eye on Brashard Breeland's practice reports. If he's a full go by the end of the week, I think he would be a must start. But Glenn is a pretty solid enough play this week that if Breeland isn't a full participant in practice, I think I would lean towards playing Jacoby Glenn uh, against Indianapolis, just because you know that Indianapolis can throw the ball a lot. So he'll probably have pretty good numbers. But Brashard uh, Breeland, when uh, when he's a full go, he's pretty much unbenchable in, in IDP formats, just because teams don't want to go against Josh. Josh Norman, so they're going to pick on him. Okay, and that I was correct on that. The Jets are five and seventeen lifetime versus Pittsburgh, and they have never beaten them in Pittsburgh. Uh, so, don't bet on Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, Glenn. Glenn, I picked him up. He's he's been playing out of his mind so far, um, and you would think with the Colts, you know kind of being their all-out air attack, I would certainly probably look 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 at him. But uh, with as, as much as the Colts are a nice, a nice passing team, um, Baltimore uses a lot of different weapons. So I, I wonder how involved Breland's going to be if they're continuing to uh, continuing to move that ball around. So I think I would go with Glenn. Um, I think – he had a really nice interception last week, and not not that an easy thing to to bet on, but I think I think I would go with Glid there in that case. Um, what do you, how do you feel about playing old man Frank Gore this week, Nick? After Andy not having to buy after doing the London thing, am I crazy thinking the old guy might need a little little longer to recover? Yeah, uh, but he's going up against the Chicago defense. I I think I would still feel safe 
playing Frank Gore. I mean, yeah, the jet lag. It's been a week. I mean, you got to get over jet lag in a week, right? Uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, how are you feeling? <laughs> You're probably older than Frank Gore, but uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty old. Uh, ooh, fun one here. Whitney Merciless. Oh, at Minnesota or Anthony Barr in the same game versus the Houston Texans. What do you think? Well, I think they're uh, both going to be good this week. But I, just since Houston runs the ball a lot, it seems like Lamar Miller gets 20 carries every single week. I, I think I would have to go with Barr. I just think he has a really nice high ceiling there. Yeah, as much as I like uh, Merciless, you know, he's it's, he's becoming – the uh, the focal point of uh, offensive coordinators is a guy to scheme against. Obviously, with with Watt out, they're gonna they're gonna put more bodies on him than they would Clowney. So I think I think I would definitely go with Barr there too. Um, pretty hard to just bench anybody on that Vikings defense or a bet bet against that team because they are just so hot right now. Um, ooh, dynasty dilemma time. Um, this week we decided to do a couple rookie running backs, uh, Jordan Howard versus uh, Wendell Smallwood, and I think it kind of surprised me at this one too, uh, in terms of who you chose. Uh, ultimately, you chose the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, so you, it was your chance to go. So I'll let you go first. After I'll, I'll play the short clip here. Okay, so I fully admit that in redraft formats or if you're in win-now mode, uh, Jordan Howard wins this discussion. He's going to be fairly productive as long as the starter, Jeremy Langford, is out uh, probably three to five more weeks. So I guess through October and maybe into November. So I guess that makes uh, Jordan Howard this year's fantasy pumpkin spice latte. But, uh, you know, playing on the league's (laughs) lowest scoring team, only 62 points in four games, whereas uh, Smallwood's uh, Eagles have 92 points in only three games, uh, you know, that's just going to limit Howard ceiling. Wendell Smallwood, on the other hand, he may not help you on a consistent basis this season, just given the depth of the Philadelphia backfield. Uh, But Wendell Smallwood does look to have a bright future in Philadelphia, if his week three performance against Pittsburgh is any indication. After Ryan Matthews was injured or benched early, I don't know which one it was. They say it was because he was injured, but I was at the game, and the entire game he had his helmet on on the sidelines, standing with the rest of the running backs right behind Doug Peterson the entire game. Yeah, I, I started Ryan Matthews that week and was not very happy when he only got two carries, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, once Matthews was done that game, Smallwood and not Kenyon Barner, it was the lead back. 17 carries, 79 yards, and a score. And he looked very good doing so. Uh, head coach Doug Peterson said afterwards that he's a big, powerful guy. He's a downhill guy. He's a one-cut runner. Those are all good things that you want to hear about young running backs. So don't let his listing as a running back four on Philadelphia's depth chart fool you. The running back one there, Ryan Matthews, can never stay healthy. The RB2, Darren Sproles, is never going to be an every-down guy as exciting as he is. And Kenyon Barner, as apparently viewed by the coaches, has nothing more than a change of pace back since he didn't get the lead back uh, duties after uh, Matthews was hurt or benched. So I think Smallwood's road to playing time is much shorter than most RB4s. Uh, The time to buy low on Jordan Howard is come and gone, but there may still be time to buy low on Smallwood since Matthews is rumored to be returning back this week. Okay, good points there. Um, I just think the Eagles use that full stable of RBs, um, and I think – 
they will will do that even even if Matthews and Sproles leave this team. I think they'll bring in another guy to compete, draft another guy potentially early. So I just think that that's that's what they like to do. Um, you know, even after the bye week, I think we we saw we'll probably see Ryan Matthews get a little healthier, and we've seen him be their trusted goal line source so far this year. Smallwood obviously flourished in relief with his touches, but I don't think that's guaranteed going forward. Excuse me. Howard is basically a, on a four-week audition as the Bears RB1. Uh, round one versus the Lions this past Sunday, Howard responded with with a 100-yard effort. Sure, he didn't have it a run longer than 17 yards, but I just think that the Bears trust him to do the dirty work. And they trusted him to the tune of 23 carries. Some Some banged on Howard for his lack of college receptions, but that's just not a part of the Indiana scheme where he came from. And his four targets in the passing game showed, certainly showed no lack of confidence. He had one huge catch for the Bears late in that game. Um, recently, Nick has been on a rant about non-pass catching two down backs and their decreasing value. While this may be true, I believe this is far more pronounced with older backs and not guys like Jordan Howard. I just put that in there, Nick, in case you tried to go down that road. Um, head coach John Fox, who is absolutely notorious for his lack of rookie usage, basically said after the game that Howard is the most complete back on this team. So a nice lot of confidence from the coach here on this side, too. Shifting to Smallwood, the Smallwood situation, it appears that Ryan Matthews will be active versus Detroit. So Smallwood will be firmly entrenched in a committee situation. Sadly, we will not get this, the chance to see Smallwood handle 15 to 25 touches against the same team that Howard torched. This would have been a true test. Uh, I think the big difference between these two backs is their running style. While it's apparent Smallwood has moved, um, he has moves for days. I, I just feel like he dances maybe a little too much and just when he should just be getting positive yardage. Howard, on the other hand, is 230 pounds, and he muscles his way through piles and moves piles while also, seeing, while also seemingly get positive yardage all the time. Smallwood might rip off a 50-yard run here and there, but he's not going to but he's going to have two or three loss of yardage plays to make those type of runs work. Howard might not ever have a a run longer than 30 yards in this league. Um, But you you just know he's going to get it going, and he's always going to get positive yards every time he touches the ball. Howard has patience and moves. But he also has the ability to make something out of nothing. He has vision through or between the tackles and is absolutely incredible because of because of the power that he hits the hole, that he's able to move like he does. Smallwood Smallwood does rely on his four four speed. And that and that and I think that is because when he hits the hole he relies on speed to get through the hole. And if that hole isn't open when he gets there, he's just gonna have to pop it outside. I believe Smallwood has Darren Sproles-like potential, which is pretty awesome, but with that comes inconsistency. Howard, on the other hand, I think could be very Frank Gore or Marshawn Lynch-like as his career progresses. That's right. I think he is that kind of runner. Any rebuttal there, Nick? 
Well, you might have a point where uh, Howard could have the higher ceiling if he's able to win this job over the next month and be a starting running back in the NFL for the next few years. But uh, one thing uh, that you said struck me as a little funny. uh, uh, When you quoted John Fox saying that Howard is the most complete back in Chicago, uh, yeah, I guess uh, he's better than Kadeem Carey and Jeremy Langford, who is continuously hammered on by pro football focus. So, yeah, it's not not a whole lot of competition there for him to be the, the to get praised from the from the head coach as far as just being better than the other guys in Chicago has. Uh, well, and I think the point of that is you know even when Langford comes back, Howard's role is probably solidified unless he completely falls on his butt here the next uh, the next month or so. Um, so and. You know, he led the Bears to a victory, and I know I know one person that's going to be excited about that. How's that for a segue? It's Mr. Chuck Podaisky. Chuck, what's up, buddy? Jeez, he caught me by surprise there. <laughs> I was trying to look up some point spread history. Uh, I was uh, um, the uh, Carson Palmer had been ruled out, so I uh, was looking to see if the point spread changed at all. But so far, nothing. They're uh, still at four points. Hmm. We were just pumping up your Bears on their first win. You will about that. We yeah, will get jo- to them. You're going to ride Jordan Howard all season, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you guys are talking about Jordan Howard and Wendell Smallwood, and uh, I just looked on my fantasy uh, roster or on my fantasy site, and uh, I, we've got a pretty sharp lead. They're, those two runners have already been snatched up, so no opportunity for me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you considered Brian Hoyer? Well, considering I have uh, Tom Brady coming back this week, <laughs> <laughs> probably not interested. But I'm liking the job that Hoyer's been doing, though. He's uh, he's he's not a bad option if you if you're really hard up for somebody. Yeah, and I think um, I want to say it was maybe Mike Florio said he is a low end. I could be wrong on that. He, he's a low-end starting quarterback, but he's a top-end backup quarterback. And when you need him to fill fill in the gaps, he's gonna he's gonna do that. Yeah, back-to-back 300-yard games. You can't really uh, argue with that there. So, um, especially considering they're playing the Colts this weekend. Yeah, that should be. But a we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. Wide later. open affair. Yeah. So on to the uh, Blaine Gabbert Drew Stanton Bowl. What do you got for us? <laughs> Well, I thought I would. Uh, re- I, I know you don't. You and I both oh. don't want to hear this, but I thought I'd uh, talk about last week. Um, oh boy! <laughs> I was six and nine. You were seven and eight, which only means one thing: we have to have Nick with us to give us that uh, that uh, the ju- to get the competitive juices flowing. So we're glad to have <laughs> Nick back this week. <laughs> we are glad, and I think Nick. Last week, we agree- me and Chuck had clean sweeps. So we agreed on like every game except for like maybe three. So. <laughs> Yeah, almost uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, my two best bets last week, I think I put it on Twitter, San Francisco and the uh, New York Jets. I don't know what happened to the Jets, but San Francisco blows a 14-point lead. So uh, it was a weird week last week, and, and you can only you can only just look forward to the next week when that happens. Mm. Uh, well, my favorite two plays were Denver, even though they were dogs on the road. They They covered. Uh, but to, before I pump my chest on that, I also was so sure that Kansas City was going to go into Pittsburgh and, and uh, you know, lose by 39 points or 29 <laughs> points. I, I thought they were going to hang in that game, and, they yeah, they ran into a buzzsaw. 
So, well, I got to tell forward. you, Josh. Despite the fact that uh, I had Le'Veon Bell on my fantasy team and he came back last week, I still got beat by like uh, 30 points last week in my fantasy league. It was uh, really embarrassing. I had Matthew Matthew Stafford, uh, Julian Edelman, just a, a lot of classic, just um, massive losers last week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, better better that than to to have your team be like the highest scoring one of the highest scoring teams in the league and then lose to Julio Jones, right? That's tough. That is tough. <laughs> okay. You ready to move on to Dwayne Gabbard against uh which Stanton is it? Drew Stanton. Yeah. Okay, well, as far as I know, you guys, uh, the last report, it's still at uh, four points at the Westgate Las Vegas. Uh, the uh, Cardinals are favored, by the way. The over-under in this game, if you're interested, is 43 points. Okay. Um, I, I just like the home team dog. Um, I just, I gotta go, I gotta go with the home team dog. They're getting four points. We know that could probably, there might be a point point and a half shaved off of that with the Carson Palmer news. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think a goal stand for Nick. We... Well, Carson Palmer may be hurt, but so is Navarro Bowman. And I think he's probably the best uh, run stopper that the San Francisco 49ers have. So, uh, like you said earlier, it should be a big week for David Johnson. I think the Cardinals can cover that spread. Not by a lot. They're not going to go out there and beat him by 21 points. But I think they could beat him by five, seven points, something like that. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's a divisional game, but I looked at some of the defenses that Arizona's played this year. Uh, Buffalo, of course. Buffalo has turned into a pretty good defense, by the way. Um, they played uh, – who else did they play? I don't have that up right now. But this is – San Francisco is by far the easiest defense that they have uh, faced this year, and I think their their offense, even though uh, Drew Stanton's going to be the quarterback, I think I think they're going to it's kind of breathe a sigh of relief after going up the against Murderer's Row of defenses, and and uh, Bruce Arians has too much pride. He's not going to let his guys lose to the 49ers, who are who who seem to be only good in their very first home game of the year, and then they just kind of suck it up the rest of the year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, with Arizona. I I just trust him more. Okay, and then there's nothing to a, a wounded dog theory there with uh, Navarro Bowman being out there. That defense is gonna step up their game. Well, what about the wounded dog with the Cardinals? So it cancels oh, out. Oh man! Right there. The wounded, a little more wounded effort. dog fight. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Apologies to Michael Vick. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> we have. Uh, the uh, Houston Texans playing in Minnesota against the uh, boy, the the world beaters, the Vikings. Vikings in this game are favored by six and a half points, and the over under thirty nine and a half, which is uh, which is quite a low over under number on this game. Yeah, it's very low, even considering that that big of spread there. So, but it certainly does make sense. I. We saw the, uh, the Titans control uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. DeAndre Hopkins last week. Uh, not Will Fuller. I think the Vikings have enough weapons to control both of those guys. They just control Sterling and uh, and Odell on Monday night. I don't love it, but I, I I can't bet against the Vikings at all right now. So I'll I'll take the Minnesota. Nick, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm with you. If Minnesota's defense can slow down Eli Manning and Odell Beckham, I just don't think Brock Osweiler has any sort of chance whatsoever. It wouldn't surprise me at all if this game ended up in a shutout, actually. So, yeah, got to go with Minnesota by six and a half. That's a good thought, Nick, with the over-under at 39-and-a-half. If you think that Minnesota's going to shut out Houston, then, then the Vikings have to score 39 or 40 points. Uh, in order for it to go over. So that might give you a clue as to, you know, which way to bet on the totals on this game. Uh, Houston has just placed another one of their defensive linemen on IR, Devin Steele, uh, Stills. Um, 21 sh- points should be enough to uh, for the Vikings to uh, to win this game if they can hold uh, if they can hold down Houston. Um, I think if, if the Vikings get to 21, they should be able to cover that spread. So I'm going to go ahead. You also got to go to the team with the mojo, and the Vikings just have it all going for them, and being at home doesn't hurt at all. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to stick with the Vikings here too. Uh, yeah, man. You know what? We talked a few weeks ago about Osweiler and his history of playing playing the Chiefs, and he's certainly played in Arrowhead, but uh, inside. That Minnesota stadium is a is a different story. That is a quite the uh, crazy loud atmosphere, to say the least. Yeah, they've also got that mojo with that Icelandic cheer going on, and uh, they 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 they've got it going on up there. Mm-hmm. All right, Tennessee Titans playing in Miami. Uh, the Miami Dolphins favored by three and a half points. And uh, I don't know if you've been watching the weather, but is this game going to be affected by that hurricane, Josh? Oh, that is a that is a good point. Um, um, I, I guess I don't know what they would do in that that uh, realm. I think they would probably maybe move it to a neutral site um, or potentially Tennessee. I know that would be weird, but uh, um, it's not like you're. It's not like they would be batting second <laughs> if they moved to Tennessee. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. I you had three and a half. Three and a half Dolphins. Three and a half. Yeah, I think I'll take Tennessee in this game. I I started out this podcast about just railing on how bad the Dolphins suck, so I really can't I really can't <laughs> pick them at that point. So I'll 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 see. I think Tennessee gets enough gets enough going on their offense to to take this take this thing. I think they could win, so I'll certainly take the point there. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. The battle of two one and three teams, uh, three and a half points. I, I just, I, I gotta go with Tennessee, especially you know if there is some sort of weather, not lightning. Obviously, they would cancel or postpone the game or whatever if there was lightning. But if it just ends up being a, uh, a lot of rain for this game, that would definitely play into Tennessee's favor as well as they can run the ball. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins, and it was only simple. I don't feel strong about this, and I hate to go against you guys and and don't uh, you know we, we could either be right, but I just don't see any offense from Tennessee, and I see a you know a fairly good defense for Miami, so that just equals a loss for Tennessee, and I just hope that Miami can can cover the three and a half. So I'm going to take Miami, but not strongly in this game. Okay. New England Patriots are in Cleveland. Patriots favored by ten and a half on the road at the Browns. Wow. Uh, I. Hmm, wow. Uh, I. I just don't believe that New England, the first game back with Tom Brady, where it seems so juicy. I don't think they're going to go out there and just open things up and pour it on. I see them win this by 
eight to ten points. So ten and a half, why not? I will take the home team dog. Not very often you get a chance to take a say a home team dog in the NFL when it's double digits. So I'll I'll take uh, I'll take Cleveland. Nick, what do you yeah, think? The, the 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 Browns lost to uh, lost to the Redskins by 11 last week. So you know I think the Patriots are definitely a better team than the Skins. I think they're going to come out fired up and excited having their guy Tom Brady back. Yeah, it is at least a two touchdown win for New England in my in my guess. I want to remind everybody of what the uh, what the point spread is. The point spread is is what the public thinks it is. The in, in other words, the line makers look at this game, and what's everybody expecting to happen? They're expecting Tom Brady to come back, and uh, they're playing a kind of an overmatched Cleveland team, and they're expecting the, the the Patriots to just to just run all over them. So so the the, the books have to make this a big spread like this. Cleveland has really been in. Every game the past three games, I know they got blown out by the by the Eagles their first game, 29 to 10. But they really have been in every game they played since then. Last week in Washington, they were uh, they were close up until the fourth quarter, and the Redskins got two fourth quarter touchdowns to uh, to cover the spread there. So um, I'm going to go ahead, and you probably can't make a living betting on the uh, Cleveland Browns, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the Browns here. And believe me, I hope the opposite happens. I hope Brady, I've got Brady as my fantasy quarterback. I have Edelman as my as a receiver, and I have the New England Patriots defense. So I'm hoping it's just like a 49 to nothing route in favor of the Patriots. But uh, in the NFL, it's tough to give up 10.5 on the road. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Browns. Okay. New York Jets are in Pittsburgh to take on the uh, all-of-a-sudden resurgent Steelers. Pittsburgh is favored by seven points. Uh, well, I prefaced this earlier. We talked about it, and I did look it up with some background. Uh, the Jets have never won in Pittsburgh. In the history of their franchise, they've never won in Pittsburgh. They're like 5-17 and 17 lifetime uh, against them, so I will... Uh, I'll take uh, Pittsburgh and feel pretty confident about it. Nick? Yeah, okay. I'm with you. I, I just think that, uh, you know, if Eric Decker was playing and the Jets were fully healthy, I think it would be one thing. But uh, there seems to be some internal turmoil there going on with the Jets at 1-3. and three, And, yeah, traveling to Pittsburgh, which is one of the toughest places to play, i, I got to go with the Steelers. I think this line is a little bit inflated. Uh, the Steelers looked so good on uh, Sunday night last week uh, that they almost have to put that point spread up a little bit higher than they want to to get people to bet on the Jets. So I'm going to bite. I'm going to take the Jets plus seven. I'll look for them to I'll look for them to have a gritty effort. I expect the Steelers to win, and I hope Le'Veon Bell scores 40 or 50 points in his fantasy. But uh, uh, let's let's look at the Jets to to cover that seven point spread. And if the Jets don't win, if the Jets don't cover here, I'll I'll never pick them again the rest of the year. I <laughs> had them last week home against the Seahawks. All right. Um, you have anything to add there, Josh? Nope. Okay. Washington Redskins are on the road. If you can call it on the road, that's uh, that's basically the same city, right? The Redskins playing uh, against the uh, Ravens in Baltimore. And the uh, spread is the uh, Baltimore Ravens giving three and a half points. 
Wow, yeah, that's a tough one. I think I think I'll take Washington in this one, just just because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get more than a field goal. I think this would be a really really close game. I can see this one playing a lot a lot like the uh, the one point uh, victory for the Raiders there at Baltimore last week. So I think I'll I'll take Washington. Nick, what you got? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Baltimore. I just watching that Skins game last week and Isaiah Crowell. Every time they gave him the ball, he just run up the middle for ten yards to pop. Uh, I think uh, Harbaugh is probably a smart enough coach to realize the weakness there and just feed Terrence West. This is probably be Terrence West's biggest game of the year. So I think I'm gonna go with Baltimore. All of the Ravens games this year have been really, really tight contests. So uh, in, in 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 anticipating another tight contest. Really like Justin Tucker, and he can go ahead and beat me with a last-second field goal because the most he's going to beat me by is three points. So I'm going to take the Redskins and uh, take that three and a half points. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles in Detroit to take on the Lions, and the Eagles on the road as favorites, three-point favorites for the Eagles over the Lions. I think that's too easy. Uh, it, it, it all looks too easy, so maybe I should take Detroit. But Philly's that that Philly defense is for real. Um, you you wonder what the, if a team that starts out three and zero and they have an early buy like this, what it, what it does to them as they were certainly rolling after that big win over Pittsburgh. But I can't bet against the Eagles right now. Only a field goal. I know I know they're on the road, but only a field goal. I think they could win this by probably. Double-digit points, Nick. What do you think? I, I, I'm going to pick the Eagles. I wouldn't touch this if I was actually there in Vegas, just because I would be very concerned about a letdown game coming off the big victory. Then you have the bye week, so you know that might have caused them to lose a little, little bit of their momentum. So I, I wouldn't touch this if I was actually there. But since I, I got to pick one, I'm going to go with Philly. Okay, a couple things in play here. Um, first of all. Uh, the uh, Eagles, like you said, Josh, are on a bye after a three-game winning streak. Uh, they have not played on they've, – they've played all their games on natural turf so far this year. So this is their first game doing the artificial turf, first game indoors, and uh, they're going on the road as favorites. A lot of times when teams are upstart like this, so this is not to denigrate the Eagles at all. It's just that a lot of times when a team is a surprise team like that, starts off real hot – uh, to go on the road as a favorite, you know, I, I would I would almost rather bet on the Eagles if they were like one point underdogs because then they would be going in as the underdog. They've been in the underdog all year, and now they're coming in as a favorite to try to go into somebody else's house and win the game. Um, I'm going to take Detroit. I think Matthew Stafford can get hot here, and uh, and they uh, have been alternating good games and bad games. They had a bad game last week, so we'll look for Detroit to rebound this week plus three. Okay. Chicago Bears are on the road against Indianapolis. The uh, Bears are four-and-a-half-point underdogs. That has been going down, so let me check that again real quick. Yeah, it's still four-and-a-half, Josh. Uh, over under 47 for what's that? For what that is worth, and uh, Bears and the Colts. You want to go first on, the, on your Bears here? 
I think I will because uh, you're going to hear a lot this week about what Indianapolis did this year, and that is that they are playing a game the week after they went to London. NFL normally gives teams the week off, gives teams a bye week after they go to London, and Indianapolis refused it. They wanted a bye week later in the season. So now they're going to play a game for the first time ever. They're going to be a team that's played the week after going to London. And if that isn't enough, the uh, the Colts have just been really, really bad. The Colts are have given up 16 sacks. That's the worst in the NFL. And they're averaging surrendering more than 31 points per game, which they're 30th in the NFL in that. Uh, no team that gives up sacks and gives up points is is a good bet. So I'm going to go ahead and take my Bears to uh, to uh, to have another good game here. Yeah, I I think that's a big mistake by them. I mean, I can understand that you want to have your bye week later on in the season, but uh, it's a long flight home, uh, especially after a loss. <laughs> I mean, maybe they want to, maybe they want to get their get their uh, kick the tires and get things going. But uh, yeah, I, I I'll take the Bears in this one too. I think this could be a a lot of points scored in this one, and I'm, I just don't think that's that's too big of a margin there. So Nick, what do you think? Um, I think make it a clean sweep. I'm also going to go with Chicago, and I'm not going to blame it on the on the flight, di- the the time zone difference there, uh, traveling back from London. I think after a week, you're pretty much adjusted at that point. So uh, I just think the Bears are a better team, especially now that uh, Jay Cutler's out of the lineup. I think that gives them a lot better chance to win. Uh, I know that's not what the organization was hoping uh, with Jay Cutler there, but but I just think Brian Hoyer is the better quarterback for this team at this point right now. So I'm going to go with Chicago. Yeah, Nick, to expand on that, uh, they seem to have a whole new body language ever since uh, since Hoyer took over as quarterback. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's a better athlete or a better quarterback than Jay Cutler, but I know that the team seems to be happier to have him as quarterback, and, and that means a lot. So there's a little bit of mojo on the Bears' side, too. Okay. All right, we move on to the later Sunday games. The first one is the Atlanta Falcons in Denver to take on the Broncos. The Broncos favored by five and a half. Wow. Um, seems like a little too much, but I, I I just can't bet against Denver either. Those Philadelphia, Minnesota, Denver, those are the teams that I believe in their defenses right now. I know, I know what Matt Ryan and Julio Jones did last week, but uh, Denver's got a pretty darn good secondary, so they don't—they're not rolling any rookies out there like Carolina was. So, I'll take—I'll take Denver in this one. Not—not not too confident, but I'll take Denver in this one. Nick, what do you think? Uh, agree with you 100%. Uh, probably a little more confident than you are. I just think Denver's defense, especially playing at home, they're—they're they're easily going to be able to. Not completely shut down Julio Jones, but they're going to keep him contained. He's not going to go off for 300 yards again. So, and you know the, the way their team is built, they're you know five and a half points. It is kind of a big spread, being seeing as they uh, play conservative on offense and just you know hammer the point home on defense. But I, I, I still think Denver can win this by a touchdown. Yeah, there's no reason to buck the Broncos here. Uh, the Atlanta has been like a buzzsaw their last three games, but this has been against defenses of Oakland, no offense, Josh, 
New Orleans, mm. <laughs> and Carolina. And Carolina is not the def- is, a, is a shell of the, the defense they used to be. Now they're coming into Denver, into Denver, to take on the Broncos on the road. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess if you're a fantasy player, you have to play Julio, but you have to temper your expectations a little bit because uh, Julio can't catch balls that uh, never leave the quarterback's hand. Yeah. Is there maybe maybe you can look into this for us, Chuck? But I wonder if is there I am um, looking at the over under in this game. It's forty seven. Is there like a uh, a stat out there for combined points in each stadium? I just and I only wonder that because I just think maybe with the thin air in Denver, if it's, that maybe prevents a lot of shootouts from happening there. Well. Um... It's tough for opposing teams to come in there. Usually the Broncos are strong in the fourth quarter just because the other team wears out a little bit. Um, I know the Colorado Rockies games are always higher scoring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it fun to watch a, foot, a baseball game there. But um, uh, I have never seen a, a stat like that. You mean like over-under totals for a stadium? Yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen one, but I'll uh, I'll get to work on it sometime uh, okay. later this week, and we'll see if we can find something. But you know, the altitude does take its effect. You know, athletes have even said that themselves. And, and of course, we had that uh, the thing with Tevin Coleman about him having the sickle cell trait and not mm-hmm. wanting to go out to Denver and play. So uh, I don't know what how that's going to affect him, but I I'm sure I, I have Tevin Coleman on my team, and I'm not going to play him this week. Okay, makes sense. Buffalo Bills are in L.A. to take on the surprising Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are actually favored in this game by three points, Josh. I I like the Bills in this game. I don't know why, but I, I just do. I just think they, they, they have some – they figured some things out offensively. And honestly, Sammy Watkins not in their lineup means they have to turn to everybody else, and they've they've somewhat responded. So I'll, I'll go with Buffalo in this game. Nick, what do you think? I, I agree with you. I am not drinking the Kool-Aid on the Rams yet. Uh, in four games, they've scored 63 points. I know their defense is playing really well, but I, I just think they're kind of a flash in the pan. So I, I'm going to have to go with Buffalo on the road to at least cover the spread, if not win it outright. Well, I don't know if it was because I watched the Hard Knock show on HBO or what, but I am buying into the Kool-Aid on the Rams. I think they have, uh, I think they've got the momentum. Buffalo, yeah, they're looking good, but I think they're going to be a little high and mighty after their uh, pseudo win over the uh, Patriots last week against a depleted uh, Patriots team. Um, in L.A., the Rams, uh, the, the crowd is loving the Rams, and there's just some big revival going on out in L.A. So I'm going to, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm going to uh, take the Rams and, uh, and Jeff Fisher to go to 4-1. and one. That means he has three more games to lose before he gets, you know, back on track, I guess, after that. San Diego is at Oakland. The Chargers taking on your Raiders, Josh, and the uh, the Raiders are favored by a little over a field goal, three and a half. Oh, I know you hate that. <laughs> I do hate that. Uh, I hate the Raiders being favored for one, and that three and a half is just not not ever very fun. Um, why not? I'll I'll take Oakland. I, just because that San Diego defense is losing bodies left and right. 
we should be able to. If we don't find a way to win this game, I think San Diego will find a way to lose it. So we'll, <laughs> they'll make a big mistake late, and we'll uh, we'll take advantage. I'll, I'll depend on that. Nick, what do you think? Um, I love your point. San Diego is going to find a way to lose it. Uh, right now, San Diego's got 121 points on the year, and they're still one and three. They they just find a way to lose games. So yeah, I have to go with the Raiders in this one. Well, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because it always seems the the Chargers games come down to uh, Philip Rivers frantically trying to get it, you know, not being down by a field goal, but being down by four points, having to get a touchdown at the end of the game to win the game. So for that reason, I should take the Raiders, but I am going to go ahead and take the Chargers in this one simply because the Raiders' only loss this year has been at home. So uh, one of these times, the Chargers' luck is going to change, and uh, they've had some bad luck so far. So, you know, this is by no means a 10-star pick. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards San Diego, probably just because of the three-and-a-half. So I'll go against you guys on that, and I'll take the Chargers. Okay. I'm okay with that. I was I would be a little nervous if it was a clean sweep, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I, I couldn't. I, this one surprised me. The Bengals are in Dallas to take on the Cowboys, and the the Bengals are actually a one point favorite right now in that game over the Cowboys in mm. Dallas. That is interesting. Um, talked about that game quite a bit earlier. Um, I, I we've seen Dallas just fight. I mean, they they're a fight. They're a fighting team. I. We'll see what they can establish against that uh, uh, that Vontez Burvick uh, front seven, but uh, I, I think that makes sense. And I'll I'll let the spread decide my pick. I'll take San Diego. It's just one point. Why not? Or Cincinnati, just one point. Why not? I'll take Cincinnati on the road. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Dallas has been scrapping, but they're so beat up. Uh, well, Collins is now uh, on injured reserve, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I just think the Bengals are, are a better team, even when they're both fully healthy. So, with Dallas beat up, I have to go with Cincinnati in this one. Gosh, you guys. I'm going to take uh, the Cowboys. They made me a made me a believer last week that they can go on the road to San Francisco in a kind of a hostile place like that where San Francisco always plays their best, sometimes plays their best. Um, yeah. I, I'm just kind of on the Cowboys bandwagon right now. Cincinnati, to me, it's just kind of, uh, they aren't bad, they aren't good. But I'm going to take uh, the team with the, with the momentum at home. So just for that reason, I've got the Cowboys here. Okay. What is Sunday night football? The New York Giants, who were just on Monday night football, are in Green Bay to take on the Packers. The Packers favored by seven and a half points. A lot of those half points this week, aren't there? Uh, do those do those half points usually trim themselves down as the uh, as the game progresses? <laughs> That's just. Too many points. I, I'll take the Giants. That's just too many points. We haven't seen Green Bay do that to anybody. I mean, yeah, yeah, they blew Detroit out of the water for a half and then almost lost it. But you know, 
look what Detroit did last week against Chicago. So I, they're, they're just not a very good team defensively. So I, I, that's just way too many points. That's that's a huge overreaction to Monday night. I think so. I'll take I'll take the Giants. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think this point spread is uh, indicative of just what people think historically of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, they're a high-scoring offense. Well, they're just really not anymore. So I think seven and a half points is way too much. I'm going to have to go with the Giants to bounce back and at least cover the spread in this one. Uh-oh, we've got another clean sweep. Uh, Packers are, are, are a good team. I just think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I think the Giants have a lot of adjustments to do. I think they need to get uh, Odell in line. And, and, I, and I think, actually, they, they, they probably have come to the conclusion that uh, in order to make Odell happy, they're going to have to start throwing to him. So I think they'll start doing that this week. I think that'll make a difference. And I think even though the, I think the Packers will win, I think uh, it, should be a, it should be a close game. It should be a good one. And I'm going to take the Giants plus seven and a half. Okay, I think I only have two clean sweeps: the Giants and Chicago. Is that right? Uh, the Vikings. Oh, the Vikings! Of course, the Vikings. Vikings, Bears, uh, and yeah, and they're all uh, they're all involving NFC North teams. Okay. I don't know what that means. Okay, Monday Night Football: Tampa Bay is in Carolina. Carolina Panthers are favored. I could find one line on CG Technology has the uh, Carolina Panthers as a seven-point favorite, and they have no over-under points posted here either. Okay. I was going to say, too, I think that means that you've picked Detroit. Um, no. What? what? Uh, so we could potentially be without Cam Newton in that game. Wow. How does a division game on Monday night become a who-cares game? But uh, what, what what was the spread that you had? Seven points. If that holds true and that is the spread, I, I mean, I, I think if, if Newton's out, it'd probably drop down, what, to five or something like that maybe. Um, I'll take Detroit. I'll take Detroit at five or seven. How about do you think, Nick? Or, excuse You'll me. take who? Tampa. Tampa. <laughs> Tampa. Okay. Yeah, definitely you Tampa Bay. That, that's, way too many, <laughs> that's way too many points. Uh, the, the Panthers' defense – it was obvious last week they missed Josh Norman a whole lot. So uh, against a passing attack like Tampa Bay features with Mike Evans and Jameis Winston, they can easily keep this to within a touchdown, right? Yeah, it was almost uh, too bad that the Panthers' cornerbacks looked so bad last week. Uh, I guess maybe for us if you're going to take the points. But they uh, they seem to not know what they're doing. And, and like I said earlier, the, can, the Carolina defense is just a shell of itself. Um, also, you know, I, I don't know if the hurricane is affecting Carolina at all, but there, so there could be a little bit of a muddy track there too. Um, even with the I – mean, I'm just going to take Tampa Bay. I think they can hold it with two within seven. And they, they, have, a, they have a little bit of uh, – a little bit of a reputation to uphold here. They 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 need a good game, and it's a divisional game, so we'll take the uh, the Bucks. Yeah, you especially got to think if uh, if Newton's out, uh, they'll they'll really relish the chance to get a to get a division win there. They really step up their game. So let's call it the reverse wounded dog. <laughs> Somehow that sounds disgusting, but anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never mind. It sounds like something you'd see in the Kama Sutra, I guess, is what I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. We we better end this thing before I get.
get in trouble. But anyway, or maybe uh, it maybe <laughs> maybe it's a, a new yoga position. Who knows? Yeah, sure, sure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's 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 it. We got through them all. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah, thank you as always, Chuck, for being being our odd man, and hopefully we can let's all shoot for above five hundred next week. Hello. Yeah, that'd be something different. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, all right, cool. Thank you, Button. Have a good good one. Good week. Thanks, you guys. Good to see, good to talk to you again, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Good to be back. Well, obviously, always fun when Chuck stops by to do those spreads. Uh, got a little out of hand there towards the end, but that was my fault. So, uh, Nick, any any closing thoughts there? Oh, it's fun to get out of hand a little bit once in a while, right? Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just good to be back. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, that is all we have for you today. Hopefully, hopefully we helped you out. Um, even betting wise, we hopefully we helped you out. So, uh, look forward to. Uh, Next week, I don't have a dilemma, but I'm sure I'll, I'll get on that right after this podcast. So that's how I do it. I get my I get the ball rolling. Sorry, my dog's walking around in the background. Thank you for joining us. As always, this has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. He's Nick Wagner. Have a wonderful week, Nick, and we'll talk to you next week. But sounds good. <laughs> Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Jakey, Gil, 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 Gil,